So the ideal experiment is a way we can test causation, right? Whenever you see causation, you want to ask yourself, well, if I'm weakening, I want to introduce another cause. Right? If I'm strengthening, I want to eliminate causes. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the 7 Sage LSAT podcast. My name is Henry Ewing, and I'm joined with my co-host. Asta Sinha. Uh, today, we've got a fun little episode. Henry's going to walk us through a couple examples of an ideal experiment and, and what that means for the LSAT and different things that you should be looking out for. So, Henry, tell us a little bit more about that. Right. So the ideal experiment is a way we can test causation and test for causation. Uh, now, you might be asking yourself, like, well, one, what is causation? And yeah. two, why is it something I need to test? I didn't realize it was going around. <laughs> Not good. That was a bad joke. In any case, right, <laughs> causation. Like when, we, when we talk about uh, saying, when we say something causes another thing, we're, we're, what we're talking about is events, right? Event A brings about event B. Or you know, uh, event A causes event B. And mm-hmm. what we're trying to say there is that, like, the reason that event B, event B occurred is because, there's the causation, is because of event A, right? And so you can think of things uh, in real life uh, that are, are good examples of causation. Oh, the sidewalk is wet? What caused that to happen? The rain. The rain, right? The rain caused that to happen. Uh, but there are other ways uh, to test uh, or to see if, uh, you know, the sidewalk is wet because of the rain. Like, could say, hey, maybe the sprinkler caused the sidewalk to be wet maybe i poured out some water and that caused the sidewalk to be wet and in causation we experience it every day in our lives right most things are are, are caused by something I, oh why are the lights on because i flicked the light mm-hmm. the light switch on uh but that's also not the only cause uh you have to have electricity in your house too right for the light switch to turn on the lights and so causation is a very thorny subject even though it seems like something that you would intuitively grasp and to to really explore the the thorniness of causation i've got a couple fun uh fun examples that i have uh, found on the internet who decided they will. were fun i i don't i think they're fun i think For they're context, fun I have you don't even seen... know what the examples yeah are, i know i was just so, about to so say i haven't say even seen this list fun. of examples so we'll decide if they're fun together uh, but one thing i want to say before we jump into the examples that Henry's pulled out is that causation is one of those things on the test that I think is so easy for people to bring their own assumptions into and to connect things that intuitively feel like they should be connected. But when it comes to the LSAT, they almost never are right. Mm. If you ever see on the LSAT, something caused something else, there should be alarms ringing in your head, right? You should always be second guessing. How do we actually know that those two things are connected? How do we actually know that one led to the other and it wasn't the other way around or some third thing caused both of them? Uh, It's a really fundamental concept on this test that if you aren't able to break out of the assumptions that you're making of causation or you're not able to identify when something is incorrectly connected, uh, you're going to get tripped up, right? Especially, especially on those harder questions on LR. So Mm -hmm. really something if you make assumptions on this test, it will go poorly. Asta Sinha, everyone. Thank you. Thank you. Be here next week. Uh, yeah, don't make assumptions. <laughs> it's just, it's one of the, I mean, I say that and like we can laugh about it and it's funny, but like the amount of times that I see students struggle with LR and it's that really hard question. And a lot of times this is where it gets me, where I'll ask one of my students to do a wrong answer journal. And so they'll go through their LR section, look at all the questions they missed. And in their 
why did I get this question wrong? Their explanation is, I didn't read closely. Oh, I missed that it said that this caused the other thing. I thought it just said something else, whatever it is. A lot of times on LR, when you are just saying, oh, I should have read more closely. I should have been more careful. That was just a dumb mistake to make. What you're really saying is that I didn't identify the causal logic here. Or I didn't see that these two things were connected, that they were trying to correlate them or prove some kind of causation. So if you're looking at your wrong answer journal and you're not able to properly identify why it is that you got an LR question wrong, see if there's an element of causation that you missed and then listen to this episode so you can get better at identifying that. Uh, It's a really, really important trend. I can't emphasize that enough. Yeah, right. And just bouncing off of that, uh, there are two types of logic that we see on the test all the time, right? One is the conditional reasoning logic, the if-then statements, and the other one is the causal logic. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, Oddly enough, right, I think easy causal logic questions people tend to get uh, or have an easier time with than easy conditional reasoning questions. But harder causal logic questions tend to be a lot harder than harder conditional reasoning questions, at least in my yeah, experience, because uh, there's a certain mathematic component to, to conditional reasoning. Uh, whereas causal logic, you have to have a pretty comprehensive understanding of, of why it's thorny and the, both how you can prove, prove causation. Um, and, and just to give a couple examples, right, there, uh, a great example I have right here is that, you know, what you notice is that people who, uh, countries that consume a high amount of chocolate also have a disproportionately high amount of Nobel Peace Prize winners. <laughs> and so what people, what you might be inclined to infer then, right, is that either uh, Nobel Peace Prize winners love to eat chocolate or chocolate is doing something to these, to these people Helping the brain. that is causing them to be smarter. Um, what, what do you think is actually going on here? What, like, what do you think is going on here, Asa? I actually have no idea. Like, that, mm. that that correlation makes no sense to me. You're going to have to tell me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a little too fun for you, huh? Oh, my God. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a little too much fun. In any case, right? <laughs> so, uh, 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 chocolate is pretty expensive in the real world, right? So, as, as far as a commodity goes, right? It's, it's one of the more expensive things. Because of that, uh, uh, in fact, it's not that chocolate causes there to be a higher amount of uh, Nobel Peace Prize winners or Nobel Peace Prizes cause there to be a higher amount of chocolate. It's that wealthy countries have a disproportionate mm. amount of Nobel Peace Prize winners, and wealthy countries also eat a disproportionate amount of chocolate. And so this is an example of um, this is an example of a correlation, right? Where we notice that uh, there's more Nobel Peace Prize winners in countries where there is more chocolate being eaten. Uh, but instead of chocolate and Nobel Peace Prize winners having a causal relationship with each other, there's a third event, right? Mm-hmm. Being wealthy that is causing both of these. Uh, yeah. And so that is an example of a, a common thing you'll see on this test where they're noticing that two things uh, are, are correlated. And in fact, there's a third thing in the background that isn't mentioned that is causing both of them to happen. And so that's a very common, uh, uh, that's a, one of the more common correlation versus causation examples you'd get here. Uh, do you want another one? Yeah, let's do it. All right. So uh, this one right here, it says head lice keeps the doctors away. Uh, and the observation here is that say healthy headlights? Pe- like a car headlight? Head lice. As in head the little- lice. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Right, the little bugs, right? And, and the, the, the observation was that, wow, right? Healthy people tended to have head lice on them. And so, and unhealthy people tended to not have head lice on them. 
And so the, the inference or the assumption that people would then make is that uh, something is going on with health head lice, that it, it's like a sign, it's a good thing, right? Having head lice might have some sort of health benefit uh, uh, compared to not having he head lice. And, and you're looking at that and you're like, oh, this is a little bit weird. Uh, it turns out, though, that uh, healthy people had head lice because their body temperature was at the, the correct temperature for lice. And if you're oh. unhealthy with a fever, right, that is not conducive to having to, for, uh, I don't know, it's not conducive to being a lice. Carrier? What's the, what's the singular of lice? Lice? A, a louse? <laughs> Probably not. What's the singular of lice? I'm looking that up. A louse. It is a louse. No. Oh my gosh. It is a louse. It says I'm... Ashley, when you're editing this, can you confirm whether or not yeah. that's true? Because I don't believe it. I don't believe it. It is a louse. It is a louse. So in any case, uh, having head lice, it's not that head lice were causing you to be healthier. Right? It's that the healthy people have the optimal temperature for lice. And unhealthy people who are, who are, you know, either they had a fever and their temperature is too high or their temperature was too low. It's not a good habitat to, for lice. Uh, and so this is an example where it's not that lice causes you to be healthy. It's that you being healthy causes you to have lice. Yeah. And that's another classic example on this test. They'll notice two events are, are correlated with each other, right? Uh, in this case, having lice and being healthy. And they'll assume a causal direction. Right? Lice yeah. causes health. When, in fact, it's the opposite. Uh, and just as a segue onto this test, one of the more common question types, and I hate to call it a question types, but formats, maybe, you would see uh, as a, for an argument, is they will give you a correlation, and then in the conclusion, they're going to assume a causal direction or a causal relationship yeah. uh, between these two events. Uh, but uh, of course you can't do that. It's not something you're allowed to do. It's called making an assumption here. Uh, because a correlation isn't enough to prove causation. As we gave uh, some pretty, I think these are, I think these are good examples. I yeah, think they're pretty fun. Uh, were they more fun than you, you anticipated? They were more fun than I anticipated. So in any case, one of the things I, I, I try to, I work with clients with is how do you test for causation? And, yeah. and I run them through a, a thought experiment here, right? Which is, uh, d does killing a goat cause you to do better on the LSAT? And so uh, I give you an example here Great where I question. say, well, hey, look, before I took my, 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 the LSAT where I got my 177, uh, I, I killed a goat, right? And then I got a 177. So uh, it, it's clear then that causing or that killing the goat caused me to, to do well in the LSAT, right? Yeah, for sure. Right, right. You're convinced. Uh, we should, you know, hang up. It's over. We're just going to start selling goats at Seven Sage. Change the name from say, Seven Goats. Seven goats. Uh, you know, yeah, that's offer, how many goats you need to kill to get a 180 yeah, exactly. on the LSAT. Or get in the 170. We'll give you a goat 90% off. Perfect. Um, and of course, uh, really what ends up happening there is people say, no, I'm not, I'm not convinced. And I said, yeah, all right, fair enough, right? It, one, one, one person killing a goat, it could just be a coincidence. All right, maybe I was going to do good anyways. And so you can make this a little bit better by saying, like, hey, maybe you want someone to not kill a goat. Or maybe this was just a really easy LSAT. Everyone did well on it. Mm -hmm. And so we can run it back again where we say, all right, I'm going to kill the goat. And then someone else is not going to kill a goat. And then what do you know? I score better than this other person. Surprise, uh, surprise. Right. Well, of course. I mean, and you would say, well, of course, Henry, you scored better than this other person. You are you the best the goat. at the LSAT. Well, oh. okay. You know, <laughs> I killed the goat too, right? Uh, and because it's a, a one-off, it's still an example of, it could still be a coincidence, right? So one data point tends to not be enough. Mm -hmm. And so then you say, or then I would say, like, all right, well, let's imagine we took 10,000 people uh, and then 5,000 of them decided to kill the goat. 
and 5,000 of them decided not to kill the goat. And uh, they all took the Elsa, and the results uh, showed that the people who killed the goat uh, did 10 points better on average on the Elsa. So then uh, that's it, right? That, right, that it, it, it's it. it. Well, we, we've definitely, I mean, at this point, it'd be very odd to say that this is a coincidence, right? You, you would imagine that there is something going on here. Right? One and two data points, okay, fair, we could chalk it up to chance. But 5,000 people on average doing better than uh, the 5,000 people who, who didn't kill the goats, there's something going on. Mm-hmm. Uh, the problem, though, is that we allowed people to decide whether or not they were going to kill the goat. And because we're allowing people to decide, we are opening up the opportunity for a third cause, right? Leading people to do good on the LSAT and also leading people to, uh, to kill goats, right? For example, you know, studying could lead to frustration, right? And lead to uh, goat killing. And studying can also lead to higher LSAT scores. Whereas the people who, who didn't study, maybe they, they're not as frustrated. So they, they decide not to. Uh, not to kill the goat. But then they're just going to do less good on the LSAT then. And so mm. the idea of what we're trying to do here is we want to craft a scenario or craft an experiment so that we can perfectly isolate causes. And so what we need to really do is we need to randomize these groups. Right? So for every person that studied and is in the goat-killing group, there's also a person that studied and is in the non-goat-killing group. Right? And then for every person who, I don't know, you know, that took logic in high school in the goat killing group. There's a person who took logic in, in uh, high school in the non-goat killing group. And when mm-hmm. you have a large enough group and when you randomize them, what you end up with is the same average person, right? On average, the person is exactly the same in each group. And then the only difference between them is that one group is going to kill a goat and one group isn't. And if you look at the results afterwards and you find that the goat killing group did better on the LSAT than the non-goat killing group, well, that would be pretty good evidence then that the goat killing led to a higher LSAT performance. Uh, however, you know, I'm, I'm skeptical that killing goats does lead to, uh, you know, a good LSAT performance. I, I, we would have to really run this experiment to, to be sure. Uh, I would imagine, though, that the results of the experiment would show more or less the same score. Uh, between the two groups. Mm-hmm. And so that's the concept of the ideal experiment. What you need to do is you need to have large randomized groups and in a control group in part- a control group, right, that is large and randomized. Yeah. So you can make it so there's only one difference between the two groups, right? One has the experimental variable, right? In this case that variable was the goat killing. Mm-hmm. And the other group does not. So what I'm hearing you say, you know, just to kind of bring this back to the LSAT if you're ever looking at some sort of causal argument, a conclusion that's saying one thing causes the other, to point out weaknesses of that argument, you need to be thinking about what other things could have caused that, right? Whether the directionality is the same. So then if you're looking to make the argument better, then you need to exclude those other causes. You need to find an answer choice that does exactly what Henry was doing at every point of this experiment, which was just limiting it. So we're isolating that one cause. That's how you make a causal argument better by trying right. to exclude any other reasons why the, the effect could have been caused. Right. Uh, yeah. These ex- ideal experiments come up not as explicitly on the LSAT, but it does come up quite a bit, especially on LR. Uh, so your understanding of what makes a good experiment and what makes a good claim, right, of a causal argument is really, really important for you to be able to understand whether the arg- you're trying to make the argument better or you're trying to make the argument worse, what it is that you're looking for. 
Yeah, 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 no, for sure. A way to organize this is, like, let's imagine you see an experiment uh, on this test, and they say, hey, look, we ran an experiment. Uh, there's two groups. One of the groups smelled roses. The other group did not smell roses. So it seems like we're in, in, in good shape right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and the results were that the group that smelled roses stayed up five hours later right, than the group that did not smell roses. And so y- you might be inclined to attribute the rose smelling uh, uh, as the causal factor uh, that led to people staying up. Right? If you wanted to weaken this experiment, what you'd want to do is introduce a third cause. Right? For example, imagine that everyone who, who smelled the rose, in addition to smelling a rose, took 20 milligrams of Adderall. Right. Or they that were just walking also... to the coffee shop. The roses are on the way to the coffee shop. Fair enough. Right. Well, exactly. Right. There could be a bunch of other things that happened in this rose group. And once you start introducing potential other causal variables into the experimental group, well, how do we attribute the staying up to the roses then? Right. Why yeah. wouldn't we attribute it to the Adderall? Why wouldn't we attribute it to the coffee shop? Uh, and so that would weaken that experiment by saying, hey, look, there's there's some other potential causes here. Now, if you wanted to uh, uh, make the experiment better, what you would try to do is say that, hey, look, there was really only one variable, right, between the two groups. It was, mm-hmm. it was the rose smelling, right? Uh, yeah. Everyone taking Adderall in the rose group ceases to become a problem if everyone in the non-rose group also took Adderall, right? Because uh, then at that point, the Adderall should cancel each other out. The same with yeah. the coffee, right? If they all drank coffee and the rose group still stayed up later – You'd be willing to attribute at least roses, roses have some factor there. Right? So when it's you see more likely, ex- yeah. Right. When you, when you see an experiment uh, in a weakening question or in a strengthening question, I, I would always encourage you to, to think in terms of, all right, well, if I'm weakening, I probably want to try to introduce some sort of alternative cause. If I'm strengthening, I, I want to eliminate it. Now, this is going to be uh, the more common uh, flavor of, uh, of causality that you're going to get on this test is it won't even be an experiment. It'll just be a straight-up correlation. Mm-hmm. And instead of thinking about how I can tinker with this experiment to make it better or worse, you can just cut right to the chase. Right? For example, uh, they say, hey, look, I observed that the sidewalk is wet. Okay. Uh, conclusion, it must have rained. Right? The implication being that the rain caused the sidewalk to be wet. Right? Well, if I wanted to weaken that, all you would have to do is introduce another potential cause for the sidewalk. Sprinklers. Being All right, sprinklers, right. Sprinklers or spilling water, right? If you found out that actually the sprinklers had just went on, it would be less likely to be true mm-hmm. that it rained. Uh, because no longer is the sidewalk being wet uh, evidence of rain. It, it could just be evidence of the sprinklers. And now if you wanted to strengthen it, you would just take away that option. You'd say there was no sprinklers in this area. Yeah. Right? There's no sprinklers, uh, you know, for 20 miles. And then what we're doing there is we're eliminating another cause. The ultimate end goal here is that it's very rare that you're going to get an ideal experiment on this test uh, because ideal experiments are, there's a lot of things that need to go right. Yeah. What you want to do though, right? Whenever you see causation, right? You see some sort of phenomenon like, hey, look, we see these two events coinciding and then they make a conclusion. Oh, this event caused this other event. You want to ask yourself, well, if I'm weakening, I want to introduce another cause. If I'm strengthening, I want to eliminate causes. I think the important part to, to remember about that is you're not going on the extreme end of any spectrum, right? You're not going to be able with a single answer choice to say, this definitely did not cause the other thing. You're not going to, with a single answer choice, going to be able to say that this definitely did cause the other thing. Take the sprinklers example. Just because there aren't 
20, there aren't sprinklers for 20 miles doesn't necessarily mean that it was caused by the rain. It just makes it mm-hmm. a little bit more likely. And yeah. same thing, if I say that there were sprinklers in the area, that doesn't mean the rain didn't cause it. It just makes it a little bit less likely. And I think that a lot of times people are looking for this kind of perfect answer when it comes to questions like these, that it completely eliminates any doubt. That's not what you're looking for. Dunk on the conclusion or prove the conclusion. People really want to do that. And I I get it. I understand that tendency, but that's not what you're looking to do here. Just like in Henry's experiment with the goats and the LSAT score, one step at a time, the argument slowly started to get better and better. That's exactly what you're doing with these answer choices. You're doing one of those steps in either direction. Mm. Uh, But yeah, I think that's a pretty good sum up of an ideal experiment any kind of parting notes henry uh no parting notes other than uh hey introduce alternative causes or eliminate alternative causes all that good stuff and if you have some spare time (laughs) all that good stuff after listening to this episode go listen to the admissions podcast as well they have just as good advice on all things law school admissions you can listen wherever you're listening to this one See y'all next week.